0: Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I'm talking to you about Hearthstone as I am driving home from work. It is Wednesday, July seventeenth, twenty nineteen. Um, you know, I, I said that I was taking this as a recovery month, and I pretty much am. I've been I've been having fun playing Ladder, but I've been playing less games just to kind of not not burn out on the game. I have been enjoying the Tavern Brawl; that's been okay. I go, I was able to do that in like. 25 minutes with a double Curse of Rafam run last week, and it looks like the this is the same thing again this week um, with with Rafam as an option. And uh, you know, I already beat that, so I'll uh, I don't know if I'm going to play that much more, but I definitely did enjoy the different take on the Tavern brawl. That was fun, and, and I spent some time with that. I spent um, I've been playing Wild. I got myself to play rank seven or rank eight in Wilds. And then kind of hit a wall, as as, as is known to happen. And um, you know, I, I'm kind of playing until I get frustrated, and then I and then I walk away from it. Um, but I've been playing a bunch of a bunch of different stuff, and just kind of trying out what's there in Wild, because I haven't really played it a whole lot. Uh, ended up playing some Treachery Warlock on stream on Sunday night. That was that's a fun deck. I, I don't know that I would play it. I, I would try to ladder with it. But it was a pretty fun deck, and I'll put a clip in the show notes of me beating up on a Big Priest. They still won the game, but the idea is that you're running Treachery along with Doomsayers and fell Reavers. So the Doomsayer is for, you know, the aggro matchups and the, the fell Reavers for the slow matchups, because you just burn off the rest of their deck. And I did both in the Big Priest game. I, I gave them a Doomsayer, which then got resurrected by... Um, Katrina Muerte, and then subsequently resurrected again with a Mass Resurrection, um, and then I was able to play a Fell Reaver on the turn that they summoned the Doomsayer to burn off the re- most of the rest of their deck, but they still ended up winning just because they have so many stupid resurrect um, <laughs> options that it didn't really matter, but, you know, that one turn was fun. Um, you know, I played some Quest Mage and Wild as well, just to kind of get an idea, because that's kind of the boogeyman of the format right now. It is... does. It does seem very strong, especially as someone who just took um, took Cyclone Mage to legend last month. Uh, it does seem very strong and wild, but uh, you know I'm not having consistent success with it. But I don't think that I don't think it's a deck you really are going to necessarily have consistent con- success with because it it has to go off so fast and need like a particular set of draws, and sometimes you just don't get those. So I don't know. It, it's been it's been fun. I'm not stressing it too much. I've been. Trying some weird things at the rank five floor and standard. I played some with Hop Forms Resurrect Priest last night, which I would not recommend climbing with, but if you have the means, it's it's a lot of fun just for like a casual gamer. Or if you're you're at the rank five five floor and you don't really care um and, and you're not super concerned with climbing. It's pretty fun. It's running like pretty much every every taunt from Wall Priest along with Katrina Muerte and one copy of Seance. Archmage Vargoth and, um, and Mass Resurrection. And so I actually had played against a galaxy, uh, a galaxy cyclomage that got pocket galaxy on five and I fatigued them out. (laughs) So that was a game. It was, um, I don't think it works that way all the time, but it can get kind of gross if you can keep like resurrecting, convincing infiltrators and get, you know, be able to use your, your Mass Hysteria's at a an opportune times. It seems like it's a pretty fun deck. form said he had success with it. I'm not really spending a, enough time with it to, to see if I can get a really good win rate. I'm sure that it rewards some, you know, reps on the deck, but I don't think that's necessarily the best use of my time. But it was fun. So I'm, I'm having fun. I'm just kind of playing kind of casually this month. I know I'm going to try hard next month, and I'm going to be playing a lot of Hearthstone because we're going to be... Experimenting with all the new cards. And reminder that I am not going to talk about the new cards on this show, but you can hear me talk about all the cards in excruciating detail on the Happy Hearthstone, as always. Um, you know, I join Andrew for six hours of card analysis extravaganza. So if you are looking for my takes on the new cards, you can certainly follow me on Twitter or join the Discord where I'm talking about them all. I have a new cards channel in the Discord. I'm I'm generally Reacting to most of them with hot takes and, and having discussions. And if you'd like to join into those discussions, I would recommend you do that. That's at discord.offcurve.com, uh, where you can, you can join the discord and, and have those discussions and, um, you know, see what I'm thinking as I'm thinking it. I also do put those into the spreadsheet, which is part of the happy heartstone Patreon that you can get access to, but you know, you can kind of get stuff as, as it's kind of coming into my head in the discord and, and join that conversation. love to have you. It's uh it's a nice it's a nice uh warm community that we have that we're building over there. I'm really happy with, with how it turned out and so and how it's continuing to turn out. So if you are interested, please come by and uh you know we can have those conversations there. Alright, and, and speaking of the Discord, so um we had uh someone Salty who's new to the Discord um join us uh after hearing uh ha- hearing the podcast mentioned over on Blizzlet. And um you know, this is He's been kind of, you know, hopefully he doesn't mind me talking about this, but he's been, you know, he came in and said he was struggling with being able to find a deck that was going to climb to get him, you know, off the rank, uh, off of past rank 15 with a limited budget, you know, and not everyone can afford to buy a pre-order every, every four months. Like I'm very privileged to be able to do that. And, and, you know, the support that you all give me along with the advertising, definitely that when I have it actually really helps me with that as well. Um, you know, but not everyone's in that, in that boat. And so there's you know a need for for budget decks and and I want to talk about both and we talked about this on an episode a ways back, but it's probably worth mentioning again about dust management and and how to you know maximize your dust and how to get more dust if you if you need it going into a new set or or even not into a new set, just into like a deck that you want to craft and and then i'm going to pull I went through and I pulled some budget decks that are not really budget. Specifically, I would actually point you towards uh, my friend Old Guardian, who actually climbed to legend with um with like a budget hunter this month, and that's that's kind of his jam. Is that when he's five to legend, he'll climb with budget decks, and then make those available. And, and if you really do need like pure budget decks, he's a really great resource. I'm looking at decks that are, you know, on HS replay. Uh, you know, five to legend. Um, you know, with a positive win rate that are under 5,000 dust. And I found a few of those and we'll talk about those. I'll go through those lists and we'll talk about how you can, you know, just give you a couple tips on how to play them and, uh, you know, what you should craft and what you shouldn't and and maybe some budget recommendations if we get that far. Um, But before we get to there, so what you should be doing, um, if you are hard up for dust right now, First of all, obviously make sure you're doing all your dailies. Like that, that goes without saying. But you know, every little bit of gold helps when you're opening up packs from from a set where you get duplicates, you get some of that dust to be able to craft new stuff. Um, you know, make sure you're doing that. That's just that's just free cards. Right? That that goes without saying we all we all know that, but let's just get that out of the way right away. Uh, make sure you're dusting your extra golden. So the way that you find this is in the collection manager, if you search for extra. What it will do is it'll give you a list of every, um, every card that you have more than more copies than you can play in a deck. So, if you're pressing the 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 you know dust all button regularly after you open up packs, what should be left in there are cards where you have uh, one or more goldens, and you have. Enough, you know, enough other cards to be able to um, dust one of the Goldens and still have uh, enough copies to be able to play in a deck. You should... If you need the dust, I would suggest that you be pretty aggressive with dusting your extra Goldens because, I mean, yeah, they're pretty, and if you have some that you're particularly attached to, then, you know, obviously, you know, your enjoyment is the most important thing, right? Like, that's the whole reason you're doing this, is enjoying the game more and have more access to more things to do. But you know, really think about, like, do I care about this golden more than I care about being able to turn it into, say, you know, if it's a, if it's a golden epic, you know, can I turn this into an epic that I need for a deck, right? Am I going to have more fun playing with that, with that deck than this? And, you know, a lot of goldens kind of just sit and take up space in your inventory and whatever. So you can turn those into into dust and dust into cards and cards into decks, right? So make sure you're dusting your extra goldens. I would not recommend that you dust... Um, legendaries that are still available in standard, regardless of how bad they are, for a couple of reasons. Um, One is that you're very likely to open them again. Even if you think you're done opening packs from that set, very often we will get events where you're given extra packs. There might be, if you are willing to spend money, there's very often a bundle that will have um, packs from past sets at at a discount and it's generally, you know, that's a pretty good buy usually, and then you're, if you're dusting those legendaries, first of all, if it's a not I mean, if this is a golden legendary, just do it, right, because you're you're swapping one for one, and it's fine, if it's a non-golden legendary, like, you're giving up, what you're doing is you're giving up 1200 dusts, I mean, you know, if you're never going to play the card, it doesn't matter, but you're you're getting 400 dust for dusting a legendary. And then if you open it again, then you're even further set back. Because now you're stuck with that card again instead of being able to get another legendary that you would have rather gotten, right? So, I would not suggest dusting legendaries that are still available in standard. If you have cards that have rotated to wild, I do have um, a couple of guides on my site that, again, I will link to in the show notes. For dusting recommendations for... Um, Year of the Mammoth and Year of the Raven. I I would recommend you go through those and then see if there's anything on there you can find. I probably do need to update that because there are some cards I think that have that might have started seeing play. But I mean, you know, and, and this is not a dust all your wild card situation. I would not recommend that because you can still you still may want to go back and play some of those decks that you played before. I generally don't recommend dusting all your wild cards but there are certain cards that are just probably that are have not seen play and are unlikely to see play for various reasons and so i list what those reasons are so you can make an informed decision but at the end of the day if those if those cards are bad and you could turn wild potential into standard now i would say you do that but again be judicious because you never know what you're going to want to go back and play um, and and that has that has recommendations for epics as well. And and also I would say if you are still buying cards with gold at this point, I would recommend you put that into arena, just because if you get good at arena, first of all, arena is really good at teaching you uh, you know fundamentals of the game, and also you get a better return for your gold usually if you're if you're even just like breaking even, which is like three and three on an arena run, you're going to get more than you would have if you just spent the hundred and fifty gold for the pack. Um, I would recommend you go check out my friend Schwal and, and, and Steven Sensei over on Arena Sensei. They do a very short form um, arena podcast that is very good about teaching you fundamentals and a lot of nuances of arena that may help you eke out an extra win or two. And in this case, an extra win or two translates to extra cards, extra gold, extra dust. So that's worth your time. Um, you know, so all that said, I would not recommend crafting very much right now. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm picking decks that are very low on the le- on the epic and legendary count, and most of the the legendaries at least are pretty general purpose. Um, I wouldn't recommend spending sinking a whole bunch of dust into any of these decks right now, but they're all decks that, with some practice, you can you can climb with, because on average people have been climbing with them, and they they shouldn't cost you very much as long as you're not having to craft commons and I mean, if you're opening up packs regularly throughout the expansion and using your gold and, and you know, may, maybe playing Arena, you probably shouldn't have a problem with all the commons. Even the rares sometimes can get take a little while to collect all of them. But you should pretty much have all the commons from the sets at this point. Um, if not, you know, be careful with crafting the commons. You may just want to open up, like, nine... I think you're, you're okay with crafting classic commons because there are so many in that set. That it may be worthwhile to craft it rather than just opening a bajillion classic packs. But if you're if you're missing commons from an expansion, I'd say you're probably better off just getting some packs from that expansion with your gold to uh, try to fill out those commons because it's it's such a bad rate of return. Like to, it costs you forty dust to craft a common, and you only get five back when you dust it. Now you shouldn't really be crafting com- uh, dusting commons anyway, but. You know, try you, you, we're trying to min max your your dust economy here, so um, you know again, don't craft too much, but if you do need to craft uh, you know classic commons for some of these decks, it's probably worth it. Don't craft expansion commons if you can help it. All right, so the first um, budget deck we're going to talk about is mid range hunter. This is the one that I would recommend going with if you have the means. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive than some of the other, de- some of the other decks in, in this collection, but I would say that it is the, the most likely to be able to climb with, because this is a meta deck that just happens to be inexpensive. Um, so the list, and again, links, links to all this will be at the show notes at offcurve.com. Um, you have two Shimmerfly, two Springpaw, two Timberwolf, two Tracking, two Scavenging Hyena, two Vicious scale Scalehide, two Animal Companion, uh, two Deadly Shot, two Kill Command, 2 copies of Master's Call, 2 Unleash the Beast, 2 Dire Frenzy, 2 Mark Shot, 1 Tundra Rhino, 2 copies of Unleash the Beast, and 1 Zul'jin. So, out of all of those, the only cards that are not common or basic are the two Shimmer Flies, um, which you might be able to replace with an... I mean, there aren't really too, too many other one-drop beasts, but you could probably replace it with, with, with something else if you had to, um... Two, the, the two copies of Unleash the Beast you pretty much should have. Those are one of the best cards in Hunter right now. And it's worth crafting those. Um, the two copies of Master's Call really are recommended. Pretty strongly recommended for the list. Just because that draw engine makes this deck that much more powerful. And you can't really put non-beasts into the deck. Well, I guess if you're not running Master's Call, right? If you're not running Master's Call, then you can get away without Shimmerfly. You can probably run like an Arcane uh, not a um, an Argent Squire or, or some other One Drop. You wouldn't get the Beast synergy, but it's not as important if you're not running, um, if you're not running Master's Call. And then you could probably run how Master in the in the Master's Call slot. Again, you're going to lose some percentage points, but this is also a budget deck, so we're talking about budget suggestions. I would really recommend you craft Unleash the Beast if um, if you don't already have it. And Zuljin, again, if you if you don't have it and you have the means to craft it, it's it's probably fine. It's a very very good card. Um, if you don't have it, I could, you could just put in another Tundra Rhino probably. Um, so the idea with with mid range hunter is that you're you're kind of a slower deck than it seems. Like you're you're almost a control deck with a button that goes face, and you're using your your rush minions to kind of keep control of the board. And also eventually pump up your your scavenging hyenas as well as um, you know powering your master your, your kill commands and, and stuff like that. And you know you're trying to get like the big Zoljin swing turn with a lot of the spells that make like the spells make minions for you and they also will clear the board they'll do some face damage. like the Zul'jin turn is, is pretty is pretty powerful and against warrior that's generally what wins you the game. Um, I would say, in general, you want to be putting your Dire Frenzies on minions that are either cost one or do something have have an additional um, benefit when they hit the board. So, um, especially against Warrior, you generally want to be hitting a, a vicious scale hide so that you can get the healing and also the rush off of it. And also, late you probably want to save it for a Tundra Rhino if you're if you haven't used them up already because. That's like twenty face damage uh between the four rhinos. And that that can sometimes mean the difference between the winning and losing the game. Otherwise you're just trying to stay even on board and you and you wanna look out for ways to abuse your tundra your your Timberwolves rather. Um like Timberwolf Unleash the Hounds is usually a very big amount of damage that you can just throw at face. Um you also can sometimes save the Timberwolf for a Dire Frenzy late and then pair a bunch of 4-4 four, four Timberwolves that all buff each other with the Tundra, Tundra Rhino for a lot of face damage. Um, it's a pretty flexible deck. It has some interesting decisions that are a little bit, on, on, you know, non-intuitive sometimes. Um, and it does struggle pretty hard against Rogues, but Rogues are not as popular on ladder right now. And it's pretty good against both Cyclone Mage and against Warrior. Um, this was really one of the matchups that terrorized me on my... On my my climb up to legend last month as the cyclone mage—it felt awful running into a mid-range hunter. They had healing. They can proactively remove the board. They have deadly shot if you just drop a giant. Um, you know th- those matchups felt really favored for the hunter. And you know, and this is also one of the like the the high-end specialist decks too. If that's something you're thinking about using to compete, it, it's very often we're seeing this a lot. We don't really have direct evidence of this because we don't know like what players play primarily on what servers, but I think that we see a lot of mid-range hunter in the specialist qualifiers from players who are playing on a server that is not the one that they typically play on, so it's easy to get all the cards together for mid-range hunter. So if that's something that you are doing, even if you're on a not on a budget on your main server, if you're on a budget on a secondary server that you're playing qualifiers in... Then mid-range hunter is also a pretty reasonable pick, and and it's a strong deck. It's not, it's not been doing as well as some of the other decks in specialist. We won't get into this because that's not this is not the specialist meta report. But um, there's a lot of merit to learning that deck, and you know getting getting comfortable with it because it will it will definitely be a deck that you can climb with if you're playing with it correctly. So the next deck that I have. Excuse my wipers. <laughs> uh, the next deck I have for you is Token Druid. And this this might be the the best budget to um, performance ratio of this whole group. Um, so the list that I have is um, two, Acre, 2 Acorn Bearer, 2 Mecaroo, 2 Dreamway Guardians, 2 Evil Cable Rat, 2 Power of the Wild, 2 Wrath, 2 Blessing of the Ancients, 1 Harvest Golem, 2 Microtech Controller, 2 Savage Roar, Snip Snap... 2 Explodinator, 2 Replicating Menace, 2 Soul of the Forest, 2 Swipe, 2 The Forest Seed. So, of this list, uh, one it has one legendary, which you already have, if you're listening to this within any, um, you know, any, any reasonable amount of time since the, the mech's event started. If you're listening to this podcast now, you probably have Snip Snap. And it has six rares. So this is basically 600 dust if you have all the commons. Um, the two Dreamway Guardians, two Replicating Menace, and two Forestade. And that's it. And, and this deck used to be a lot more expensive. It used to run Keeper Staladris. It used to run um, that that epic that discovers a minion and gives you all three if you didn't have any minions in your hand. Um, it's couple, a way down, and, and there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, the, the, the epic wasn't really all that great. And also, it's gone more in a mech direction, both because of the... the the um, introduction of Snip-Snap, which is another token generator on its own, as well as the fact that Bomb Warrior is a deck which involves Dynomatic, so having mechs makes you a little bit less likely to get dynomatic out of the game. Um, You have enough, especially with the Forest Aid, you have enough boards to be able to outlast a warrior unless they get a really good draw, And if you're not winning with this deck, I would argue that you're probably not going face enough. So the thing is, I was going to do a whole episode on this, and and I may still, but one of the things that you need to keep in mind as a token druid is that your opponent is going to be motivated to clear your board as much as possible because of the constant threat of a Savage Royer, or even like a double blessing of the Ancients later in the game. So... You probably don't need to trade off minions that don't have taunt and don't heal your opponent. Uh, even if they're going to get a value trade, it's probably fine. They can trade off your minions. You'll make more. Um, but the threat of you having buffs or and or Savage Roar is usually enough to keep your opponent wanting to clear your board, which means they're going to make the trades that you want to make for you. So... You generally want to just start in the early game. You want to just be sticking board after board and make them keep answering it, even if it feels futile. Because, yes, there you have to keep making them have the removal. This is a pretty key, you know, a pretty key uh, strategic lesson to learn in this game at all in general. Because the first thing you learn early on, I mean, at first you just play cards and you get blown out, and you and then you try to figure out why. And you figure out that the... So, oh, she's sorry. We just had a severe thunderstorm go through here, and and it's finally passed. But, um, you know, I still need to get water off my windshield. Um, like, one, the thing you learn early when you're playing this game is that, you know, I lost to a card, and get blown out, and then you learn that you need to play around it. The lesson you learn, and, and this is something that I think Saddle said once in a while a ways back, is that, you know, getting to rank 5... Is knowing how knowing the rules of how to play properly and getting from five to legend is learning when you need to break those rules. So in general, yes, you want to play around cards. This is a case where you need to break that rule. You do need to be a little bit careful about how you choose which cards you're going to play when to make yourself most resistant against clears, but your board's gonna get clear it's just a matter of if you can do it in a way that's inefficient for your opponent and allows you to present another board immediately after that they also need to clear and then eventually you get to a point where you present a board that they've run out of clears for and they can't clear and then you savage roar and, and buff and kill them so the thing is that if you're clearing their minions for them you're doing them a favor a lot of the time and if you just keep going face and getting that chip damage in, it will make it so that you need less of a board when you get later in the game to be able to buff and then um, and then get through with the rest of your board. Also, keep in mind the math. The math is pretty easy when you start get used to it, but Savage Roar math, this is just kind of, you know, experienced players know Savage Roar math, because especially if you've been playing as long as I have, and you're playing in the Force of Nature uh, Savage Roar meta when Force of Nature generated uh treants that had charge because that was a thing that was okay back then <laughs> um but savage war math is you take you you add first you add up all of the attack on board and then you take the number of minions you have you multiply by two because you do two down two two plus two attack for each minion and then you add two for your face and that's that's savage war math So, and and if you, like, if you're using a Blessing of the Ancients, you just add one for each minion on board. It's really simple. You don't have to, like, add up the attack on each minion and then add that all separately. That's too much work, right? And you only have 75 seconds, especially when you're double and triple checking your math. You want to be able to do that math as quick as you possibly can. So that's the shortcut for the Savage Roar math. But I would say if you're really struggling on a budget, Token Druid's a pretty good way to go. Um, You know, you can beat... Pretty much any of the meta decks with it, uh, you'll have some trouble against things like like shaman maybe, because like a uh, merlock shaman's probably gonna run over you. But I mean, against warriors, against mages that get they that take a little while to set up, they don't have enough things other than just freezes and just make sure that you're leaving yourself a spot on board. Um, you know, against rogues, they don't really have a way to deal with a wide board, so they're just gonna be trying to trade off your stuff as much as they can, and you just keep putting more stuff down. You you can you can get some work done. So I would definitely recommend the token, the token Druid as a good way to, uh, to keep climbing. If you, and, you know, 600 dust is not a lot of spend for a meta deck, assuming you have all the comments, Even if you have to craft some comments for this, I think it's probably okay. If, if it's going to mean you climbing up. And, and remember, you also will get, you know, the golden at the end of the month in your chest. If you're getting up another ranked floor, you're going to get some of that dust back. So the next deck we're going to talk about is a little bit newer on the scene. Um, it's been kind of evolving towards the back half of last month. I think I talked about it when I was on Good Seed. And that was, that was kind of early days, and it's kind of been evolving, which is Aggro Overload Shaman. Now, this is a little bit more expensive. There are a lot more rares, and there are some epics that are going to be pretty hard to replace. But if you're close to this, it might be worth it. Because this, le- this deck just hit number one legend today. Um, so it is a very powerful deck. It's a little bit tricky to play. Um, but if you enjoy aggro and you have a decent number of these cards, I would say it's probably worth looking at. So um, this deck is 2 Zap, 2 Earthshock, 2 Lightning Bolt, 2 Murloc Tidecaller, 2 Sludge Slurper, 2 Voltaic Burst, um, 2 Earthen Might, uh, 2 Lickum, 2 Rockbiter Weapon, 2 Underbelly Angler, 2 Feral Spirit, 2 Lava Burst, 2 Spirit of the Frog, 2 Thunderhead, and 2 Doomhammer. Very low curve, tops out at five, and really only has four cards that cost more than three. And what you're generally trying to do is you're trying to get in a lot of chip damage early with your minions. Sometimes you can get a pretty wide board with the Murlocs, or or with Lackeys from the Sludge Slurper, or even just like getting some buffs on your on your totems. And you want to, you know, get some early overload damage in with Lickum. And then you generally want to use your minions to get as much chip damage as you can in early. And then you want to finish off with the burn. You want to use the lava bursts and the and the lightning bolts along with Doomhammer rockbiter weapon which is uh, 10 damage total, 5 for each swing. Uh, that that's generally how you're going to get over the top cuz there's not a lot there's a lot less weapon removal than there used to be in the meta. And if you can stick a Doomhammer, a lot of decks just have no way to deal with it and that's 10 damage right off the bat and you know plus another 4 that you're swinging at their face the turn before. So You generally want to be using those minions to hit face as much as you can. And then use some of your utility spells like Zap or Earthshock. You know, even a Rockbiter weapon on your face to clear off minions that are in the way and don't trade with anything else. And then once they get a taunt down or they start to stabilize, that's when you start throwing the rest of the spells at your face. And, And Spirit of the Frog is really good in terms of being able to help you draw the rest of your spells that can find you the burn to be able to go face at the end of the game now there's a lot of rares in here uh, they a lot of them don't see play in other decks and haven't for a while doomhammer in particular i would have a hard time crafting right now until this is more of a meta deck because doomhammer really hasn't seen any play since like rockbiter weapon got nerfed way back in mean streets of gadget sam which coincidentally was the first time that i hit legend with aggro shaman way back when but that wasn't with doomhammer um, I don't think it was anyway. Cause Rockbiter Weapon used to cost one. Which was kinda stupid, but you know, again, that's how we did things back then. So um if you're close to that list, I would say that that's a very a very up and coming meta list that you can take a look at. I, I don't know that I would craft things for it. I don't really have any great budget suggestions for you because everything's so synergistic in that deck. Like you really, like you can't really replace what the Thunderheads and the Doomhammers are going to do for you, and you're probably not going to get over the top without them. So I wouldn't necessarily craft a lot for that deck. But if you're like you know one or two cards away, you're like one epic and a couple of rares away, maybe that's worth checking out. It can be very powerful once you learn how to play it. It, it can be a little bit tricky, and if you run into a warrior, you're probably going to lose. But you should have a, a puncher's chance against anyone else in the meta. Right, and the last, the last deck that I have for you is a little bit more off-meta, but I can't give you recommendations without including a priest deck, right? Like, you wouldn't know who I am. Um, so this is this is more off-meta, but it is something that's relatively cheap that you can build, and you can probably steal some wins. You can definitely win some games with the, with this deck. It's gonna be a little bit less consistent than the others that we talked about, but you can definitely get some wins with this deck, which is Mech Priest. Um, so the list is two circle of healing, two silence, two inner fire, two mekaru, two northshire cleric, two power word shield, um, two divine spirit, two copies of extra arms, two upgradable frame bots, two wild pyromancers, two acolytes of pain, two bronze gatekeepers, uh, snip snap, one copper tail imposter, one masked spell, two unpowered uh, unpowered steam bots, and then aziliax. So. We have two legendaries, one of which you definitely own, one of which uh, Ziliax is probably the safest craft you're going to possibly get in this meta, um, and, and for the rest of the year, and there's a possibility the Ziliax gets nerfed and you get all that dust back. I don't know that it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, like, Mass Dispel, you could probably swap in, like, uh, you know, probably a a spell breaker if you needed to. It's not going to be the same thing, but it's fine. Um, While Pyromancer you pretty much need because it works with the rest of the list. And, and Extra Arms is one of the reasons that this deck is viable right now. Um, and, and it's pretty good after the buff. Um, so basically what you're trying to do with this list, it's, it's kind of similar to like Mech Paladin, more so than Mech Hunter. Where you're trying to stick one big thing. And then you want to upgrade it with Magnetic Upgrades and Buff Spells. And get the, the toughness to a point where you can go Divine Spirit, Inner Fire, and then hit your opponent in the face for lethal. Which is the reason that the, the Mass Dispel is good because that just kind of prevents your opponent from from pr- protecting themselves with anything that isn't removing the minion entirely. And and again, much like the Token Druid, you just keep sticking those threats because every... As soon as you get opponent... If you get an opponent who doesn't know what you're doing, they may not really bite... But any opponent that's played against a deck like this before knows that every high health minion is a threat and they'll remove it for you. Which means that you can just kind of keep going going face with your minions. Um, you do have the Wild Pyromancer, Acolyte of Pain uh, synergy along with the Wild Pyromancer and Northshire Cleric uh, Circle of Healing uh, synergy. Generally you're using Wild Pyromancer to damage the Acolyte of Pain you want to use, um, you know, mass heals and your and your hero power with the Northshire Cleric to heal up. If you're doing that with damaged minions, you get to heal a whole bunch, draw a bunch of cards, um, and then damage everything and damage your acolyte. if you could stick that all on the same board and draw a lot. Because um, you generally just need to find your Inner Fire, which is one of the things that makes this less consistent than the old versions of this list. Like Wall Priest is that you don't have Shadow Visions anymore. So finding your inner fire can make this a little bit a little bit more difficult, and and it can be a difficult deck to play, you know, because you need to be able to stick threats and understand when you're trading and when you should be going face. Um, it's not like the token drew where you can just go face with reckless abandon for for most of the game. You you do have to be kind of careful about which deck which threats you allow to live and which ones you don't. Um, but it can be a pretty fun deck. It can it can get some wins. Uh, there are a lot of decks that just can't deal with a big thing right now. And a big thing that sticks turns into a, a doubly big thing with Inner Fire that kills your opponent. So there is, a, there is some merit to playing this deck. It, it will probably fall off past rank 5. Um, fair warning. But if you're trying to climb, you know, ranks 15, rank 10, that that kind of, uh, you know, a range, it's probably fine. And it's, got, it's still got a positive win rate on HS Replay. So you can definitely win some games with it. Um, again, it's, it's a cheap deck. It's got five rares and one legendary that you probably either should already own or, um, can pretty safely, uh, invest the dust in crafting. And you know, with uh, priest, right? We, we like priest. You, you are, if you are listening to my voice, you are a priest main in training, whether you like it or not. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode. Um, you know, th- hopefully this helps you if you're if you're kind of struggling with uh, you know how to climb on a budget, and you know it, it's it's very t- one thing I'll leave you with is that it's very tempting to look at the deck that you're playing with and um and and feel like if you just had better cards that you'd be able to climb better. And first of all, if you're playing in ranked, if you're playing against people with full meta decks and, like, top meta decks that full of legendaries, like, I would I would say to you that those people are at the same rank that you are with all those cards and they're not winning any more than you are because otherwise you wouldn't be playing against them, right? If, if all that mattered were the cards in your deck, you would never see, you know, full meta decks because those people would just fly past you and they'd be at the next rank floor up. So, What's really more important is your decisions in-game, understanding the deck that you are playing, and making sure that you're making good decisions on every turn, that you understand the matchups, and, and are reviewing your games to make sure that you're making good decisions and and that you're, you're playing optimally, because ultimately, like, you really can climb with anything, it's just a matter of how much skill is involved, and, and that just takes time, but... It's not like if you suddenly build Bomb Warrior, like you're gonna skyrocket up to like rank five. It's not happening. Like, it, it, you know, you, there's a lot more that you can add to your win rate by playing well than by having the best cards. Having good cards will help. Having good decks will help. Playing optimally is always going to be your biggest edge as a player. Anyway, so as always, you can find um, you can find the links to those decks that I talked about. Um, as well as you know, some of the other things that I mentioned over at OffCurve.com, uh, you can also uh, find the follow the Twitter account for the show for our show announcements and other things at um, at OffCurve. I also updated the starter pack. If you're newer to the show, there's a page on OffCurve.com that says starter pack up at the top. What that is is that's a bunch of um, of episodes that I've recorded that are um, generally less meta-specific. They may reference cards or decks in the, in the current meta, but they're less meta-specific in general so that you can go back if you want to catch up and you want to hear some of the other topics that I talked about without having to sit through all of the this is the nerf that happened two years ago that you probably don't care about anymore. Um, that's where those decks are, those episodes are. And you can either listen to them straight from there or you can, you know, use that as a guide when you're adding them to your podcast player of choice. Um, you can also, again... Please join the Discord, discord.offcurve.com. You can also follow me on Twitch, uh, twitch.offcurve.com. Usually stream Sunday nights, may stream an extra night here or there. I've been enjoying Team Fight Tactics. I've been kind of alternating. Um, I did a Team Fight Tactics stream Monday night. I enjoyed that. And uh, Ranked Mode just came out, so I may do a little bit more of that. And um, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Wicked Good. You will get all the stuff that I'm doing, including, um, you know, links to the Specialist Meta Report when that comes out and... And any other, you know, writing or casting or streaming or anything else that I'm doing, uh, you can get that there as well. You can also, if you if you are so inclined to want to support me directly, um, you certainly can do that. Uh, there are links on the website. You can also support me by leaving a review in iTunes. We haven't gotten one of those in a while, but that helps, you know, visibility in the store as well as, you know, warming the cockles of my heart, which I know that you all want to do. And it doesn't have to be a particularly long review or even just like a five-star rating sometimes helps. I mean, again, be honest, like if you don't feel like this is worth five stars, don't feel obligated to do that. But you know, if you do, then, you know, every little bit helps. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's all I got for you this week. Um, I hopefully, assuming that all the scheduling lines up, we'll have um, something fun for you next week. Uh, I mean, I have something fun for you every week, but a little bit different than normal. And uh, do make sure to subscribe over to the Happy Heartstone sometime between now and when the set releases, so that you can um, hear me and Andrew talk about all the cards in excruciating detail that will fill your commutes for days, and you will enjoy every minute of it, I uh, guarantee you, or your money back. Anyway, so, thank you for listening as always, good luck, with, good luck to you, um, enjoy the rest of the card reveal season, and uh, most of all, be good to each other. We'll talk soon. Have a good one.